Can you believe it? Believe what? This. All of this. Oh, me hosting a Bible study at my house. If you had asked me a year ago, I would have said, girl, you are insane. Yet here we are. It's amazing what God's doing in your life. One way to put it. Most of the time, I'm still feeling overwhelmed, but I still have so much joy. Can you believe the first time I went to church, I put a fake address and phone number on the visitor's card? <laughs> I cannot believe you did that. I know. Personally, I can't understand why I ever believed the garbage about churches that people told me. Well, I'm glad you see it differently now. God desires a relationship with you and the church, our church, will help you get through that. I mean, honestly, that is so awesome. I know, right? So I know this is kind of last minute, but I was thinking about it, and it's really short notice, so she may not even come, but did you maybe want to invite Michelle tonight? Let me guess. It's, it's all, all part, part of the, the growing, growing process. process. <laughs> Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? Morning Bridge Online, you guys are at the beach and the mountains and all that kind of stuff. Be safe on the road today. I'm so glad all of you are here. Whether you're watching online or you're in the room, we're so glad you're here. And just trust that God's going to do some cool stuff in your life. If you are traveling this weekend, please, 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 I beg you, be careful. Uh, I'm told that Labor Day is the deadliest weekend of the year uh, in, uh, in, on the roads. And so please be careful this Labor Day weekend as you travel, visit family. That sort of thing. We got seven grandbabies in the house this weekend, and uh, so it's an exciting time for us as a family. Uh, uh, I think I'll survive. <laughs> Loving every minute of it. Anyway, we've been watching Laura on her journey. If you've been with us over these weeks, then, uh, then you know that Laura has gone from, I'm uh, not sure she has, this church thing has anything to do with her, to stepping across the line of faith, committing her life to Christ with all the things that are associated with that, then getting to that place where she kind of uh, hit her first kind of bump in the road where her two worlds collided, her, her, her church friends and her pre-church friends kind of bumped into each other and she didn't handle it uh, as well as she, uh, as she wished she had. And today we're watching her building relationship with Christians and even starting to think about her friend Melissa, her pre-church friend Melissa, and how she might be able to reach out to her. For those of you that are new, we're, we're in this series that we're calling The Journey of Life and kind of subtitled the fully devoted to become fully mature. And what we've been trying to identify is the reality that when you commit your life to Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean that you've arrived, that you're done, that you've kind of finished the process. In fact, what it means is you've started a journey. And that that journey uh, begins with with devotion, but it ultimately grows into maturity. We've got a chart that kind of unpacks that. It begins when you commit your life to Jesus Christ and you get, according to scriptures, born again. You get this fresh start with Jesus, this new life, the Bible says. Then you settle the authority issue. Jesus is not just my Savior, the forgiver of my sins, but he, in fact, is the Lord of my life. His, his will is my will, and I want to do what he wants me to do. And then ultimately, <coughs> this idea of being fully devoted means I am committed to growing to this full maturity in Christ. Then we begin to identify the stages of maturity from the seeker stage. Again, we've watched Laura in our videos go from the seeker stage to the infant stage. Last week, we talked about the teen stage. And today, we're going to unpack a little bit, very briefly today, the adult stage of the Christian experience. But then I want to shift gears and want to help you begin the journey of assessing 
where you are in your own personal journey and help you with that process. So again, we're talking about the adult stage specifically, but then we're going to lean into the journey of, of process of, of figuring out where am I and where is my next step. For those of you, again, that are new, uh, let me just make sure you know, we really don't care where you are what stage you're in, you are welcome in this house. We are thrilled that you're here. Maybe you're a seeker that's sitting here right now saying, I don't know if this guy's got anything to say about anything that's going on in my life. If that's where you are, I am so glad you're here. I just, you know, if you're a baby Christian and you're kind of up and down and you get saved every other week and you know, all that stuff, then we're so glad you're here. Wherever you are in this journey, we're thrilled that you're here. We're not concerned with where you are. We are concerned with where you're headed. We want to help you grow. God is the same way. He accepts you just the way you are, but he loves you too much for you to stay the way you are. He wants you to change. He wants you to grow, ultimately to become like his son. So today, again, we've been walking through natural development, natural human development, sort of as an illustration of spiritual development. Today, we're looking at the adult stage that I sometimes refer to as the taking responsibility stage of the Christian uh, experience. So before we get into that, let me, let me, let me talk just a little bit about the, the segue from the teen stage to the adult stage because th- this is critical. Okay, so lean in for just a minute. If you've got to go to brunch in your mind, just stick with me for just a minute. Let's, let, let me unpack this one, okay? I mentioned Dr. Eric Erickson last week. He's a psychologist that studies human development, and he says that there are two uh, key descriptors for the adult stage, I'm talking about, you know, as you grow into adulthood, there are two key descriptors. And, and, and those two words are isolation or intimacy. Let me say that again. There are two key descriptors. They are isolation or intimacy. And here, here's what I need you to lean into. He says that how well we do the teen stage determines whether or not our adult stage is marked by isolation or intimacy. Does that make sense? Do you hear like this make sense? I'll just say that again. Do you want to get that? It, how well we process through the teen stage determines whether our adult season in life is marked by isolation or, uh, uh, or intimacy. So what did we say about the teen stage last week? Those of you that are here, uh, uh, what did we say? You start seeing needs around you. Uh, you start to address lifestyle issues and, and hurts and habits and hang-ups that you brought into your Christian experience. You start to deal with those kind of things, and, and you begin to understand the role of spiritual authority in your life and recognize you are not the captain of your own fate. You can't even figure out where you want to go to lunch today, much less figure out eternity on your own, and so you begin to recognize spiritual authority issues in your life. So again, how well you handle those things. If I learn to relate well with others, including the leaders that God puts in my life, if I break free from the strongholds of my life and begin to overcome the hurts and the habits uh, that formed before I came to know Jesus, if I move beyond the self-centered view of life and start seeing needs around me and recognizing that that I was put here as a producer, not just a consumer, when, when I do that, intimacy is available to us. Intimate, healthy relationships are available to us. But if I try to skip those things, if I just kind of blow those things off, here's what happens. We stay stuck in the cycle of isolation our whole lives. We reach for intimacy, but stuff always seems to get in the way. 
We fall back into patterns of, of isolation over and over and over again. And let me just bring this home and we'll get into adulthood. Uh, we all know people, do not look at them or throw elbows, but we all know people who by appearance, by age, by stature, by whatever, by appearance, they are adults. But the reality is they never grew up. They're still teenagers or even infants. And, and, how does, and, and what is their life like when it comes to relationships? It's about isolation. It's not about intimacy. This idea of healthy relationships always seems to be out of reach for those folks. And maybe you're one of those people. And if you are and you're recognizing yourself and what I'm saying, please hear me. We are so glad you're here. We want you here, and we want to help you through this journey. We want to help you move through the teen stage into the adult stage. It doesn't matter what stage you're in. It matters the direction of your feet from this point forward. So hear me. I want almost desperately that you find the intimacy that God has for you with him first and foremost and then with the people that he puts in your life. So i got three goals today quickly. First of all, I want to quit very quickly, help you to understand the adult stage. I think we'll get it pretty quickly. <clears throat> and then I want to shift gears so we begin to understand this journey to maturity. And then I want us to look at a tool that we've given you. Uh, the ushers have been distributing them. If you didn't get one, we'll give it to you in a few minutes. Uh, a tool that I've created that will help you to assess where you are. So that said, let's get into it, okay? So, again, comparing natural with spiritual. What does a natural adult look like? Let's look at a chart, okay? Natural adults, first of all, have overcome insecurities. Now, nobody's suggesting that you, have, uh, that you don't have any insecurities at all because all of us have insecurities. Can I get an amen in the house? I always get one universal amen every Sunday. You ever notice that? There's just always one that we all agree to. But we also agreed when we were talking about the teen stage, I wouldn't go back to the seventh grade for love nor money. The insecurities of, of why is that one prettier than me and why is that one smarter than me and that, why is that one more athletic than me and why are they more popular than me? Man, I wouldn't go back to that mess. Oh, wow. And so in the adult stage, we've overcome a lot of those things and we've kind of moved through them. The second characteristic of an adult is that we are productive. You grow up, you get a job, you start producing into society. Again, we're talking about mature adults. We're talking about that real adults, not just teenagers in adult bodies, but you know, you've, you've become the productive part of society. And then finally, there are healthy relationships that mark uh, a healthy human being. Those are the natural stages or characteristics of an adult. Everybody agree with me? Do you heads like this if you agree? Okay. So then let's lean into the spiritual stuff. What are the spiritual parallels? Let's, let's camp out on this one for a minute. <laughs> make sure we got it. So in the natural, we've overcome a lot of those basic insecurities that we all went through in middle school and, and high school. Uh, and in the spirit, we've begun to break some major strongholds in our lives. We're not done growing, uh, but we have settled some of the major issues in our lives. We have settled, for instance, that as followers of Christ, the Bible is the final authority in everything that we believe and every way that we behave. We've decided the Bible is our owner's manual, and we're going to read the owner's manual. And if we read something in the owner's manual that doesn't line up with our lifestyle, then we're going to adjust our lifestyle, right? Because our lifestyle isn't the final authority, the Word is. And so we're looking at the Word of God and we've decided this, I'm going to pattern my life after this. We've also begun to look into our past and, 
and, and stop defining our present and our future by our past, but defining it by how God defines us and who we are. And if there are hurts and hang-ups, then we deal with those things. We begin to break free from those habits and those issues. Simply put, we've settled kind of the foundational issues of our lives, and we're on a path to health. We're still learning about ourselves. We're still uh, recognizing areas to grow in. But there's just, there, there's just no battle anymore about which side we're on, right? I am a follower of Jesus Christ, period. Say it with me. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. We've kind of settled that. And if you're in the adult season of your spiritual life, then you've settled that thing. And you may, your entire life, discover new things that have to be dealt with. I've been doing this, started to say, I'm 40, none of your business, but I soon got to say 50, none of your business years since I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And every year I discover new areas of my life that I need to work on. So it's a never-ending journey but, but like Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, what did I do? When I became an adult, what did I do? Read it with me. I put childish ways behind me. And so adults have broken through those barriers and they've broken through those major strongholds and they've settled some things and they've now made the Word of God the foundation of their lives. The second characteristic then <coughs> is that <coughs> they've discovered their niche. <coughs> Excuse me. They've discovered their niche and they're serving. Talk amongst yourselves for a minute, okay? <laughs> All right, thank you. Come on back. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. I like the way the Living Bible paraphrases this one. It's kind of easy to follow. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Make sense? It means... You have abilities. Every one of us in this room have abilities. We tend to look at some people and say, man, if I was more like him, if I was more like her, I would do the things that they're doing too. But the fact is God's given you certain abilities to do things well. He has. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, then what should you do? It's not a trick question. Then prophesy. As often as your faith is strong enough to receive a message from God. If your gift is that of serving, then what should you do? You should serve. I mean, serve well. If you're a teacher, then what should you do? You should teach. It goes on to say, if you're a preacher, make sure your preaching is effective. I mean, it's just, it just goes on this list of spiritual gifts that God gives us and that our charges, once we discovered what those gifts are, then we begin to serve in that capacity. Again, in the teen stage, we talked about it last week, in the teen stage, we begin to see needs around us. We begin to be touched by the needs around us, and we want somebody to do something about it, right? In the adult stage, we see those needs, but now we begin to see them differently. We begin to look at them differently. Isaiah 6 is the story of the prophet Isaiah's call to service and to ministry. God came and, and called him uh, to serve as a prophet, and Isaiah's response to that is, oh, man, I'm not worthy. Are you kidding me? Uh, you're calling me. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. I, I can't do this. And God had to deal with that and purge that insecurity from him and that, 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 that false modesty uh, from him. And he finally said, recognizing that God's call uh, was on purpose, he said, some of you know, Isaiah 6, here am I, Lord, do you know that one? Send me. Here am I, Lord, send me. Hear me. That's the spiritual adult's answer when God calls. 
Here am I, Lord, send me. Doesn't mean you're not afraid. I'm scared to death half the time. <laughs> it's just, it's, I have a sign in my office carved in wood said, dare to fail. I've had that sign for 35 years. <clears throat> you know why I have that sign? Because if I listened to my fears, I, would have not, I wouldn't have done two-thirds of the things I've done in life. So, so it's not that we're not afraid. It's that we don't let fear stop us from doing what we sense God calling us to do as adults. It's not that we don't feel inadequate. Man, I feel inadequate all the time. But we step out and do what we sense God has called us to do. We don't let those feelings stop us from pursuing the call. The sad truth is... I'm sorry if this sounds critical, but the sad truth is churches fill up every week with people who see needs and even get mad that nobody's doing anything about it, but it never occurs to them that the reason God put that need in their face is because he wanted them to do something about it. When you get to the spiritual adult season of your life, it changes. So for the spiritual teenager, Isaiah 6, paraphrase, is not here am I, send me. It's here's a need, Lord, send somebody. You've ever been in that place and you've heard yourself saying, God, somebody's got to do something. Then it may be an indicator that you're still in the teen stage of your Christian experience. Now, spiritual adults also understand that every need is not a calling. That every time you become aware of a need doesn't mean God wants you to do something about it. That sometimes God's putting that need in front of you so you will pray the Lord of the harvest that he will bring forth laborers to reap the harvest. Uh, and so spiritual adults have the maturity of understanding that just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do something. And I'm weighing out the difference constantly of what I can accomplish in life and what I can do well. It's the difference between a laser beam and a fluorescent tube. You know the difference? Do you heads like this? Yes, no? Do you know that it's the same amount of light in a fluorescent tube and a laser beam? The only difference is that a fluorescent tube gives you a general cast of light and a laser beam is focused and a laser beam can cut through steel. The only difference is the focus. And so spiritual adults have come to the place where I know I'm going to be bombarded every time I turn the television on with some hungry child in Africa. I know I'm going to be bombarded every time I come to church with some need that needs to be met. I know I'm going to be bombarded every time I drive down the street. I'm going to see something. So, Lord, maybe you're calling me to do something, or maybe you're calling me to see this the way you see it and pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. But adults, either way, cannot see a need and just walk away. They're affected when they see a need. Every time I hear an ambulance, I, I have to say, Lord, you know who they are. You know what's going on in their lives. You know if they know you, and if they don't, Lord, speak to them right now. You know who their family is. You know what's going on in their family right now. You know all those circumstances, and I'm not an EMT, and I'm not a doctor, and I'm not a nurse, and I'm not any of those things that can do the things that that person needs, but I'm going to pray that you'll send the right people there. These spiritual adults see a need, and they're affected by the need. Spiritual adults see needs all around them that other people just kind of blow past. I was in an Exxon station not too long ago, and uh, 
and, and something had malfunctioned in the, in the gas pump, so I had to come in to pay for my gas. And when I came in, there was a whole line of people, and, and like four or five people ahead of me, and, and, and with every person that stepped up to the cash register, the lady who was, you know, doing the transactions, the cashier, she was just saying, man, I'm going to party tonight. I get off in about an hour, and it's going to be a party tonight. The divorce was final today, and I am a free woman, and I'm going to party tonight. She was so excited that she was going to party tonight. And when I'm praying the whole while, I'm going up the line, Lord, let, don't, there, don't let there be anybody else in the store when I get to the counter because I don't want to embarrass her. And sure enough, I got to the counter. There's nobody else in the store. And I pulled out my card, and I slid it on the desk, and I said, when the party's over, call me. And she looked at my card, and she looked at me, and she said, okay. She hasn't. I don't know if she will, but I saw her. And I did what I could. That's what spiritual adults do. They don't see a need and blow by it. Come on. <coughs> and, and, you know, when somebody pulls out in front of him, you don't tell him he's number one. You <coughs> now, I'm not saying you go around Walmart accosting people. That's <laughs> not what I'm saying. But, in fact, most of us come to church and we see needs. But, but hear me, you don't go to Bridge Kids and see hundreds of children here every week and complain that there aren't enough people serving in kids. Hello? You say, what can I do to help? You, you don't come in and say, boy, there's a real need here. Somebody ought to do something about that. Spiritual adults say, is there something I could do about that? Spiritual adults have shifted from seeing needs around them that somebody ought to do something about to, to seeing needs and saying, okay, I, I, I'm going to do what I can. I'm either going to do something or at the very least I'm going to pray fervently the Lord of the harvest to bring people in there. And let me say again, if that's not where you are yet, we're thrilled you're here. Just be honest with yourself and acknowledge that you're still in the infant, teen stage of this experience. Uh, God isn't concerned with how far you've come, but keep moving, keep growing, keep moving forward. We want to help you with that journey, which leads us to the third characteristic of a spiritual adult. For natural adults, there's healthy relationships in their life, and it's true for spiritual adults as well. There is this kind of healthy relationship with the family of God and the people of God. They understand that when they accepted Jesus Christ, they didn't just get a heavenly father, they got a whole bunch of brothers and sisters at the same time. Romans chapter 12, verse 5, so in Christ, we who are many form, how many bodies? One body, and each member belongs to Jesus. Me and Jesus got a good thing going, right? Is that what it is? No, no, no. Each member belongs to all the others, we are a unit that comes together. In fact, Ephesians 2 calls us a building fitly framed together, interwoven, interdependent on one another. We connect. Believers are belongers is the way some people say it. 
So all I'm saying to you is that spiritual adults have settled that issue. I'm part of the body of Christ. I need to be connected to the body of Christ. And, and I need to find a local expression of the body of Christ where I can genuinely connect with others. And, and when I don't have that, there's something missing in my life. When I don't have that, I, I, I'm, I feel exposed until I finally I am able to do that. And I make it priority one. That's why I love around here. We see people all the time moving into this area, and they will visit. We had a bunch of people this summer because of transfers at Seymour Johnson. Some of you are in that number who, you know, met them in the lobby and they said, well, you know, we're moving to the area next month, next, next fall. We're, we're being transferred to this area and we're out looking for a church home before we buy a house because we understand. Is this making sense? We understand the importance of the spiritual family in our lives before we even make a decision about where we're going to live. You see, that's a spiritual adult kind of conversation. But let's dig deeper than that. Can we, can we go a little deeper? Can we take three minutes, five minutes, and let's go a little deeper with that? Because spiritual adults don't just understand that they've got to find a local expression of the body of Christ and connect and be a part of that. But spiritual adults also understand that there are levels of relationship in the human condition. There are levels of relationship. In fact, most will identify at least three. You can find more, but most will identify at least three. Can we bring that up? And let's just walk through that, Okay. First of all, there is the acquaintance level of relationships. And if you define acquaintances, how would you define them? An acquaintance is somebody that you know. You recognize them when you see them. Maybe you got a little bit of history with them. It's one of the things I love about the bridge and living in Goldsboro, Wayne County area. I go in a store and I see faces and I go, you're a bridge peeps, ain't you? You know, I was in Sam's Club this week. I had a, uh, my scavenger list that Kim gave me, which is, you know. If you can find it all, you get to come home, one of those kind of lists, you know. And, uh, and I'm walking around, and I asked a couple of employees where something was, and they didn't know. And then I ran across a couple in, in Bridge Church shirts, and I went, ah, finally somebody who can help. <laughs> and so the two employees and the two Bridge peeps and, and me, the five of us, went on a, on a search, and we found out they didn't have what I was looking for. But it was just so cool. To, and, and I admitted to them, I said, I know your face. I don't know your names, and now I can't remember their names. But, you know, because I'm still trying hard to learn everybody in the church, and I recognize that I never will. Uh, but uh, but it, I feel like I'm part of a community because I know those people, and they have this common ground. you got people like that in your life, right? How many people like that can you have in your life? You can have lots of those people. You know, from work and school and people you had not seen in 10 years and people you run into once in a while. You can have hundreds of those kind of people in your life. The next level is the companion level. And the companion level is, is, is that level where you do know their names. You have something in common. You probably know their kids' names or a little bit about what they do for a living. And so there's common ground there, some shared interest. And most psychologists tell us that you can have about 80 to 100 companion level relationships in your life. Interesting side note, you know what the, the, the size of the average church in America is? 77. You know Why? Because most churches are structured for companion-level relationships. Everybody needs to know everybody. And if they don't know everybody else, this church has gotten too big for me because they think companion-level is the only level of relationship that they need. Does that make sense? And so you can have 80 to 100 of those kinds of relationships. And then there's the most intimate level, uh, and that's the friendship level, and, uh, and most psychologists will tell you that that's 10 or less. In my experience, if you can find one really good friend, 
you're blessed. You know, all of you, we've been very open. Pastor Farrell and I have such a close relationship and close friendship, but, you know, we just kind of call each other. I had a text message from him this morning. And so uh, that kind of one friend thing is such a huge blessing in our lives. And so we've come to understand that if we're going to be a healthy church and we're going to be able to populate this church with people with healthy relationships, then we need to structure ourselves around all three relationships. Does that make sense? And so for us, the acquaintance level, anybody want to guess what the acquaintance level is? It's our Sunday services. We currently have something over 2,300 people that call the bridge their home in the Princeton location alone. Well, over 3,000 in all three of our locations. But uh, so uh, what are the odds that you're going to get to know all those people? Let me tell you from personal experience, it ain't going to happen. But it's okay because you've got this kind of general sense of, oh, yeah, I think you go to my church. No, I go to your church. You go to my church. I go to, you know, we're, we're in this together. The companion level, anybody want to guess what that is? That's our serve teams. And so you serve in Bridge Kids, or you serve in guest services, or you serve in outreach, or you serve in, in the media team. or you know, And so there can be anywhere from 50 to 60 to 80 to 100 plus people serving in these different levels of ministry. And so you're not going to become next best friends with every one of them, but you have common interest and you get to know each other because you're working together. Make sense? Do you guys like this? Okay. And then what's the friendship level? That's our small groups. That's our bridge groups. And that's why we've been working so hard for the last, really the last nine months leading up to this day uh, when we are launching today the semester system for small groups. We're, we discovered along the way that, uh, that we live in a day and time when it's almost impossible for people to think about joining a small group for the rest of their lives. <laughs> it's just daunting. The, the idea is just too much. And so we've, we've broken it down into semesters. And each group will have a semester where they do a study together. And we want to help you during the month of September, every Sunday you're going to hear this, we want to help you find the bridge group that fits you, that serves you, that's best for you. It might be in the location where you live. It might be a women's group or a men's group or a co-ed group. Uh, it, it might be a group with kids or a, a group with empty nesters. I mean, you decide the group that best fits you and, uh, and, and, or maybe the curriculum that you want to study right now, the, the material that you want to study, and during the month of September, we're all, somebody say all, all, all right, everybody say all, we're all going to sign up for a group for September, October, November, no, no, October, November, December, I'll get it right, uh, and, and get involved in a group. Some of those groups meet every week, some every other week. We don't care about that. You're just going to connect for that semester and do a study together and go past the acquaintance level, past the companion level, all the way to the friendship level of relationship. In fact, you can go to the Bridge uh, Church app right now and click Groups. And it'll walk you through that. You can go to the website, bridgechurch.cc, and it'll walk you through it. Uh, we don't have time to do this in detail, but this is what you're going to see when you go to the website or to the app. You're going to see bridge groups. Then you're going to see a, a thing. Back up, please. You're going to see a thing that says, find, well, back up, please, the other way. Mm -hmm. Back, 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 back. Find your group. You see that? Click on find your group, and you're going to get, next slide. Okay. Then you're going to get men's groups, women's groups, mixed groups. You pick the group that you're looking for. Uh, and right now we've got 44 groups available, all right? And there's more coming on all the time. And so click that 
one of those, and then you can start sorting it down by your location of the bridge, Princeton, Goldsboro, or Mount Olive, uh, the study, the age group, the day of the week that's available to you, the location. Uh, I'm excited because I'm starting a group in Clayton this year with Travis and, and, uh, and the buses and some other folks. You live in the Clayton area. We want to provide you a group in Clayton so you don't have to drive all the way to Princeton every day uh, you know, during the week. And so, uh, again, you can identify, narrow it down, and you've got a map with all of our groups on the map where you can pick out the one. Then you see so you pick one and you go to the last stage and you select a group that you want to be a part of. Now this says closed at this point because this screen was created uh, yesterday but they're all open as of right now. So go to the website. There'll be people over there in the Next Steps area who can walk you through it. If you're a little nervous about doing computer stuff, they'll help you do that. You can go to the guest services. We'll give you a printout of it if you want one so you can do that. We want to help you to get connected to a bridge group this semester that will help you grow in your spiritual experience. Now i got a segue because I want to lean into how do you get there. Spiritual adults have settled some issues. They're still growing, but they've broken through some of those major strongholds. They're regularly evaluating their lives and lifestyle. Is it lined up with the Word of God? They're finding their niche, and they are serving. They're always working on relationships, but they found a family, and they are relating. The question is, how do you go on this journey? How, how do you go about moving from seeker to infant to adolescent to adult so next week, we're going to talk about the parent stage of this experience. How do, you, how, do you, how do you even know where you are in that journey? How do you go about making decisions that will move forward? I'm thrilled to have so many of you sending me emails and pulling me aside and saying, I'm excited about having kind of this system to understand where I am and how I can move forward. Uh, so what do I do now? Well, that's what we want to lean into before we leave. I think there are three primary elements. just going to take me a few minutes to walk through it with you. Three primary elements to the growth to maturity process. Here we go. The journey begins with a vision. You got to get a vision of where you're going. Now, I'm not talking about Shazbaz, lightning bolt, the windshield of your car turns into a horizon vision. If you have one of those, praise God. But for most of us, it's a mental image of a preferred future. This is what I'm shooting for. This is where I want to go. And the scriptures will tell you what God's vision is for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him and all along he knew who would, should what? Become like his son. So what's the vision? Jesus is the vision. I want to look like him. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we eventually resemble who we rehearse. The more you look at Jesus, the more you focus on Jesus, the more like Jesus you become. And so that's the vision that you need to get. Lord, help me to see you for who you are. Give me a glimpse of who you are. I want to become a little bit more step-by-step, stage-by-stage. I want to become a little bit more like you, which leads us to the second part of this journey is that maturity uh, progresses one step at a time. You don't jump from seeker to adult any more than a human being uh, jumps from birth to having their own babies. There's a journey. There's a process that happens. And I'm convinced, having done this 49 of your business years, that the more intentional we are, the more likely we are to succeed. Hear me, guys. Lean into this a minute. Natural growth happens naturally. Spiritual growth does not. 
If you really want to grow to maturity, you have to get intentional about growing. And so that includes goal setting. I read some time ago that Harvard did a study uh, of, of some of their alumni 20 years after graduation. And the survey questions among them was, uh, did you set goals for your life while you were at Harvard? Another question was, did you write those goals down? Another question was, have you accomplished the goals? If you said any, have you accomplished those goals? Uh, That survey produced uh, shocking information for me because I would have thought Harvard would have been different than this, but 84% of them said they did not set any lifetime goals at all. The vast majority found it hard to even identify any progress because they hadn't set any goals to know what they were working toward. Of the 16% who did write goals, actually wrote some goals down, 97% of them accomplished everything they wrote down and more. Did that click? And so if you really want to grow to maturity, the way you do that is you make sure you, you, this is a step at a time, and you start to identify what are those steps so that you can move forward, you can step forward. Now, if you write specific goals for growing in your spiritual life, can I guarantee that you will grow? No, I can't. But I can guarantee you that if you don't set goals, chances are you won't. So you set some goals, which leads us to the last part of this journey, and that is that the spiritual maturity journey requires assessment along the way. Just like if you go on a trip, you, you kind of decide where you're going, you kind of map out your journey, and then every now and then you check the map, you check your GPS, and you say, how are we doing? How far have we gone? Are we on the right road? Where's the next turn? You know, Daddy, how many more miles is it? You know, it's it's kind of checking your progress as you go along the way. So we need a method in our spiritual journey to be able to do that. And the Bible's full of this kind of directive that tells us to assess. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. David said in Psalm 139, Lord, I'm not really good at this testing myself stuff. Would you test me and show me something that I'm not even seeing? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight: a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Over and over again, you see those things in Scripture where it says, stop and assess, stop and evaluate, stop and check. How you doing? Are you making progress along this journey towards spiritual maturity? The classic problem is that that we assess how we're doing uh, by looking around and seeing how we're doing in comparison to the people that are around us. The problem is the people around us are not the vision that we're shooting for. Hello? Pastor told the story uh, about getting on an airplane one time flying from coast to coast, and when he sat down, the lady sat down beside him, and she was obviously very nervous, and so he decided that he would engage her in conversation, try to help her calm down, and so in the course of that conversation, she started talking and kind of babbling nervously, and, and she, she said she was the girlfriend of an NBA basketball player, and she talked about the lifestyle that they lived, and she described it in great detail about the, the drugs and the booze and the parties and, the, and just all the stuff that was associated with that lifestyle, and she talked for 15 20 minutes just pouring it all out and at the end of saying all that stuff she looked at him and she said uh, oh man I've been talking about me this whole time so how about you what do you do for a living he said 
I'm a pastor. And she said, well, uh, <clears throat> uh, I'm not a bad person, she said. I, I, you know, I'm not a chainsaw murderer. I, you know, I've never killed anybody. I, I'm not a bad person. And here's what the pastor said to her. It was profound when I heard him say it. He said, here's what I said. You know, I, he said, you know what? If we, com- if we compare ourselves to the worst of society, then the truth is we're all doing pretty good. But what if we were to compare ourselves to, say, Mother Teresa? Or more importantly, what if we were to compare ourselves to Jesus Christ? How are we doing? He said she was quiet the rest of the trip. And he prayed that that seed was planted in her heart. Hear me, guys. When you come to that place where you say, I'm going to assess, you can't assess by how you're doing in relation to how everybody else around you is doing. Here's how Paul addressed it, 2 Corinthians 10, 12. We do not dare to classify ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They're not wise. So how do you do it, Jim? How do I do it? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Did everybody get a copy of the Christian Maturity Assessment Tool? Hold up your tool if you've got one. All right, many of you didn't, so... Raise your hand. The ushers are back there. They'll be glad to put one in your hand. We've got some hands in here. While they're coming, let me explain to you briefly what this is about. We're going to look at it just very quickly. I see the clock. I promise I do. We'll get, let you go in just a minute. Um, he, here's what I discovered some years ago, I guess uh, close to 10 years ago. I, I was searching for a way to assess in my own life how am I doing in my spiritual maturity in my, in my growth toward becoming more like Christ. And I found all kinds of assessment tools out there. I found assessment tools for how to discover your spiritual gifts. I found assessment tools for, for uh, you know, how to, to, to discover uh, your, your, your areas of interest, your personality type, to assess your level of biblical knowledge. found a lot of different tests and tools out there, but no one measured growth toward Christian maturity. So when I started my doctoral program at Gordon-Conwell, um, and I learned that, that graduation required a dissertation that required some, you know, primary source research and then writing something that wasn't out there in the literature, this popped in my mind immediately. It's we need a Christian, the body of Christ needs a Christian maturity assessment tool. We need a way to measure how we're doing in our Christian maturity. And so I feel like the Lord gave me this tool. I spent years and years and years struggling with it. I sat down at my desk and I wrote it in two hours. When I presented it to the faculty and and student body of of Gordon-Conwell at their request, somebody raised their hand at questions and said, how long did it take you to write this? And before I could answer it, the dean said, 40 years of ministry. So maybe that's true, but now what you have in your hands is a tool that's been translated into Spanish. It's been circulated uh, throughout the Latin American world and many parts of the U.S., and uh, and we're bringing it to you at the bridge for you to use it. Let's take just a minute. not going to orient you in detail. We'll talk some more next week. I wanted to put it in your hands. Simply put, if you go go to the first page, uh, you'll see uh, that each Uh, Answer each question honestly, rating yourself on a scale of one to five as follows. Almost never, rarely, sometimes, often, and almost always. And so when you read one of these statements, you think about that for just a minute. Try to think objectively. It can be tough, but try to think objectively and then say, yeah, that 
that, that's a regular occurrence for me. That, yeah, that happens all the time. That's just, that's my norm. Then give yourself a four or a five. If you say, you know, in all honesty, I can't remember ever doing that or um, it's been a long time if I have, then give yourself a one or a two. But come through this thing and be as honest with yourself as you can uh, because the goal is not to see how high you can get. The high score is not the goal. The honest picture of where you are is the goal. You can be on that trip driving cross-country and wish you were closer to California than you are. That's not going to help you get closer to California. You've got to assess where you are in order to map the course the rest of the way. So walk through those 52 things, and next week we'll unpack a little more detail how you can chart it, how you can assess it. But at the end of the day, it's going to help you to, to evaluate where you are in your spiritual journey, which stage you're currently in, and then help you to set specific goals, areas to work on uh, this coming year as you make the commitment to be more like Christ. Again, we'll go into more detail, but your homework assignment, don't you love coming to church and getting homework? Your homework assignment is to respond to those 52 statements this week. If you don't want to share that with anybody, get in the closet close the door and fill it out, right? Use a flashlight, not a candle, because I don't want you to burn yourself up in there. Uh, but do it. Just take a minute. Take a risk and do it. And, uh, and, and, as a, and, and then pray, Lord, help me to be honest with myself, to be objective with this process uh, in order that I can assess where I am in my journey and I can begin to take real steps toward growing more and more like Jesus Christ. I believe if you will, and I've been doing this in my own life for 10 years now, I believe if you will, you will be amazed about where God will take you day by day and position you year by year to do things that you never dreamed you'd ever do. That's my prayer for you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this group of people who sincerely want to connect with you. And beyond connecting with you, they want to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. So I thank you for the privilege and I thank you for the honor of standing here and sharing with them this journey. And I thank you for the ones that are leaning in right now and saying, I can't wait to, to get into assessing where I am in the process. Satan, <clears throat> I bind you in Jesus' name from planting any doubts or insecurities in our minds as we go through this process. I know you. You're a liar and a loser. You're an accuser of the brethren. I know that. And when we get to a thing that we say, well, you know, I almost never do that, you're going to say to us, see how bad you are? And we refuse to, leave, to, to let you get in our heads. Jesus Remind us that you don't care how far we've gone. You only care about the direction of our feet moving forward. So Holy Spirit, be our teacher and our guide as we complete this assessment tool and help us to not only determine where we are, but chart a course for moving forward in Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed for just a minute. I can't let you go without addressing any of you in the seeker stage. You're here today and you're not even sure why you came. Maybe you came because family said, please come, just come be with us. But whatever you think brought you here, I believe you're here for this moment. 
Jesus loves you more than you can even imagine. He has an amazing plan for your life. And all he wants you to do is put your trust in him. So if you've never done that before, would you pray a simple prayer with me? It goes something like this. Jesus, I want to know you. I'm not even sure what that journey will look like, but I do want to connect with you. I want to know you. Help me to learn who you are and help me to love you the way this guy says you love me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Thanks so much for being here on Labor Day weekend. Again, please be safe out there. The altars are open. Our prayer team's coming. They would love to pray with you today. If you've got something on your heart, you need healing, you need whatever it is you need, they'd love to pray with you today. Take advantage of that opportunity before you leave here this morning, okay? Father, thanks for bringing us to this place. Thanks for teaching us. Thanks for sending us out filled with information, commitment, and, and potential for growth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. We'll wrap this series up.